0: Got
1: your back. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Friend Request, a podcast where we talk about various characters and their relationships in games. I'm Jennifer Uncle for Scanline Media, and joining me, as always, is Colin Detmar, also from Scanline Media. Hey, folks, how's it going? So, should I start with mine today, or should you start with yours? Um,
0: I'll I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way first. So, um, this week I want to talk about uh, Kratos from God of War. And I want to be clear, um, before I start, I'm not choosing this character because Kratos is an amazing character, right? He's okay. Um, but the main thing is that the games almost immediately, like, ruin his (laughs) storyline. Um... This is the thing to me that's interesting about 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 Kratos and and by extension a lot of God of war um so in the first God of War we're introduced to Kratos um, he's also known as the ghost of Sparta and we are introduced to him as being like uh the god of war Ares is uh hitman basically right
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he is uh like he he gets sort of screwed over by Ares. His his Ares leaves him to die, and so he's angry, and he wants revenge. And also, Ares goes out of control and starts attacking other gods. So the other gods are like, "Okay, we need somebody to take down Ares. Let's let's hire his like his scorned former employee, uh, Kratos, and have him go take care of business, right?" And Kratos himself is like, "Ah, it's so frustrating, right?" Because God of War 1 is kind of focused on the fact that Kratos sucks. In God of War 1, every go- like every time the gods talk to Kratos, they're talking with a level of scorn that for most of the game they don't explain, but they're just sort of like, like oh, fine, like, like you are who we're working with, and like we don't respect you, but you've got to get this done, right?
1: Yeah, it's clear that they are just using him to get whatever they need.
0: Mm-hmm and they're not even you know they're not like even to him they're not pretending otherwise it's like look you're here to do a job shut up and do it you're gross we don't like you (laughs) um and eventually it comes out that this is because he killed his family that was part of the betrayal is that Ares tricked him into killing his family because it would make him the ultimate warrior or whatever it's some dumb fucking shit right Um,
1: Yeah, the only thing I remember from that cutscene is the slaughter of his family and some older lady cackling while he does it.
0: Yeah, the the older lady uh, makes, like, makes the ashes of his family, like, infused into his skin as a constant, or, you know, whatever, right? It's, it's... (sighs) <sighs> anyway, the point is, in this game, he has an arc where at first he he appears this sympathetic character who's like he's really angry, but he's justified in his anger, and he's doing the right thing, and whatever. And you're like, oh, actually, this guy super sucks, and nobody likes him. Um, and at the end, he succeeds in his mission, and he's like, okay, well, I did it. And and like the the whole thing was like. The promise was, if you if you do this job, you'll be forgiven of your sins, right? And then he finally does it, and, like, Athena is like, Kratos, I forgive you. And Kratos is like, I don't feel indifferent. He's like, yeah, what would you think was going to happen when we forgave you? You're not going (laughs) to not feel guilty for being a piece of shit. Anyway, bye! (laughs) And so he's like, okay, fine. And he tries to kill himself, and they stop him from killing himself. Because they're like, wait, we just realized we still need a god of war you'll do um and the game ends with this montage that like it ends with this montage of Kratos sitting on the throne of 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 you know of the new god as the new god of war and as it slowly zooms in on him interspersed as, like black and white footage of like world war 1 and world war 2 and all these wars from real history and the implication is basically like through the narration and through the the the, the f- filming of it is like all of this happened all of these world wars all of cause these terrible terrible modern wars happened because they put a really shitty person in the throne for God of War. Um, and there are two things about this one is it's like it's really blatant about like no Kratos was a bad choice for this Kratos is a shitty dude don't admire or try to be like kratos, right? Kratos isn't cool. Kratos is impressive, but he fucking sucks.
1: Yeah, he's a total mess.
0: And then God of War 2 and 3 happened, and and everything thereafter where they just forget all of this because it is a it is a different creative director, also obviously other members of the team have changed out. And God of War 2 comes out and they're like, remember Kratos? Remember how much you empathized and sympathized with his position and wanted him to succeed? It's like, what? N- no, no, we didn't. The whole, the whole point is that he's terrible? D- you guys know the point, he's terrible, right? They had no idea. They contradict the game's ending because he doesn't stay as God of War nearly long enough for those, for World War 1 and 2 to happen. He's like, the, the, all the gods of Olympus, himself included, are theoretically dead at the end of of God of War 3 though of course the fact that there's another God of War means he must have not actually died um and like it's just like they throw out so much of the point of one of the first game to an extent that it doesn't even make sense anymore and that's what kratos is like that's the enduring legacy of kratos is the is the super rad guy who's angry and it's just... I'm not I'm not a David Jaffe fan at all. But it's really frustrating that he wrote a character and a story about how this guy sucked. And everyone thereafter was like, man, what a cool dude. And it just bums me out.
1: Yeah, when David Jaffe was in his prime, the one thing he was good at doing is creating characters you feel comfortable hating but you can play as. And... There was this line where it's not like Rorschach, where people take inspiration from him. You just played Kratos because that was what you were expected to do. And he was someone you were al- along for the ride with. And in never really advanced past there. I think one of the biggest problems with the later God of Wars is they shifted their focus from showing Kratos as this hateable person to look at how... How much gore we can do with the PS3. Like, look at us tear this person's head off. Look at how much budget we went went into making the sinews twist and things like that. So it was less about being like, oh, this person is terrible. They're doing terrible things. It's like, no, this is what we want you to think is, look at how much fun you can have pulling these people's heads off or... Doing all this bodily injury. And Mm -hmm. with three, they sorta scaled it back by having basically in God of War three, every, all the other gods have turned evil. So you're going through, you're going up the food chain killing each one of them. And every time that happens, the world around you becomes incredibly fucked up to a remarkable degree. Like, a a river of blood drowning everyone but uh, by that point the damage was already done and it was less of a I mean to some degree the first game did have you revel in the violence you were doing too but with the increase of graphics and the way that they started prioritizing what the kills looked like it really feels like that colored how they could how they could represent Kratos himself
0: Mm mhm yeah, it's it's a lot of mispotential. For sure. All right, what, what did you bring today, Jen?
1: So I figured I would talk about Marcus Holloway and Wrench from Watch Dogs 2. Now, um bit of background about Marcus Holloway, the protagonist. He was racially profiled by CTOS, which is the system from Watch Dogs 1 as well, that's tracks every human within a city or around the globe and provides and stores information on them by the time of watchdogs too, they're kind of using that information facial recognition and things like that to to solve crimes but of course since much of tech in real life is also pretty racially biased it ends up profiling him for something that he never committed and the opening of the game is him erasing that information from the system and then joining up with a hacker group, DeadSec, to fight the system. And one of the one of the fellow rebels that you meet within Watchdogs 2 is this person with a hockey mask with LED eyes that do various emojis He wears a spiked leather jacket. He has an anarchy tattoo right above it, right below his Adam's apple. They, his rent. This person's name is Wrench, and his design is over the top in a way that a lot of people, including myself, before the game came out, thought was like was going to be. Oh, this is clearly going to be the worst character in the game. I'm not going to be able to stand being near him. But as it turns out. A lot of that is just for show. He's he's a very lovable wacky person, but in a way that, where the wackiness doesn't grate because of how sincere he is all the time. Like just like Marcus, he is obsessed with older movies and TV shows. And the you see the two of them bond together in real time as the group gets together. Like at some points they they're discussing. I think it's Terminator arc. It's, it's some sort of sci-fi show. And they're getting very specific about... They're having a very familiar argument that if you've ever been in any sort of geeky culture, that's how these conversations would go. So while he's the one that's wrecking havoc, pa- spray-painting drones, and just being an all-around goofball, there's this groundedness to him that makes him... Very entertaining and very relatable in a... Oh, I could really enjoy hanging around this person. And interestingly, they end up having a... He ends up having a dark moment within this story. Like, at some point, the FBI ends up picking him up in order to get at Marcus and the rest of Sack. He's in this... Of course, you as Marcus end up hacking the... You end up hacking the cameras and taking a look at what's happening. He's in this interrogation room with his mask off. He has this disfigured face underneath. And the person interrogating him starts off saying, You know, Roy Orbison always wore these glasses to get over his stage fright. And it's pretty clear that they make a pretty direct connection to Wrench and the mask in terms of he really doesn't like how he is presented when he doesn't have that mask. That mask is more or less him, his personality, the way that he is able to be so jovial, friendly, and wacky in front of other people. And, of course, the FBI mentions, hey, in prison, you're not going to be able to wear this. But the villain of the game, who, of course, since it's a tech villain, is a bit higher up the food chain than the FBI. (laughs) He walks in and he says, Oh, you're free to go, but I'm keeping the mask. You continue to be whoever it is you don't like looking at in the mirror. And I think it's time for the world to see who you really are. And in that moment, it struck a chord with me because a lot of the way that they talk about Wrench and his mask really corresponds to trans narrative of identity and how we have a part of ourselves that we don't like the rest of the world seeing and that we hate from ourselves and the degree to which we put on our own masks or change ourselves in ways to feel more comfortable with ourselves and have people react to you the way that you want them to react Mm -hmm. and i found that incredibly moving for a a lot of Ubisoft open-world games kind of get <laughs> boiled down to an icon hunt or, very, in the blandest terms, imaginable. Like, when you see these games written about or talked about, they it's often down to the mechanics and how they match all the other games that have come before them. But in this space, this very familiar gameplay space... They tell this really touching, very close to trans narrative with Wrench, and that makes him incredibly sympathetic in a way that most side characters never are. And that's, that's on top of that character already being pretty fun to be around, which is almost impossible for a wacky sidekick with an emoji face. Like, just describing that sounds like the worst thing ever. But the way that he and Marcus bond and become best friends, the way that Marcus insists on, even after Wrench is freed, he breaks into the FBI headquarters just to get that mask. That is his prime motivation to get this mask back for his friend because that's how his friend feels comfortable.
0: And this is all with the character that, like, when they first started showing trailers for this game, and it was just, like, like, like emoji mask guy making gun hands at you, and everyone's like, wow, well, fuck this game. Yeah, the way this that... This is that character. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the way that they showed it in E3 and everything like that didn't do justice to the character. Like, maybe it's just the way that... maybe it's impossible to boil him down into a two- to three-minute trailer, but... He's incredibly human in ways that even even characters that other games pretend to be, other games that pretend to be very deep about what they're talking about. Most of them don't feel as nuanced, relatable, and all around likable as Wrench does.
0: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Request. Uh This podcast's uh, is kept pretty short so that you can easily recommend it to a friend if you like. Uh, so please do so. And if you like this, you can find more of our work at ScanLineMedia.com, where we have other podcasts and articles and such. And also, if you want to help chip in, you can go to Patreon.com slash ScanLineMedia and chip in there. Uh, right now, we have we have an ongoing project that will be going for I mean I don't know there's no end date. We're just going to keep going every week putting out a new episode of a podcast called Oops All Anime and if you back us at even $1, you will get access to that show.
1: As long as there's anime to watch, we'll keep recording episodes, maybe.
0: <laughs> I I could see it, you know, 30 years from now when we're out of when anime has died and all that's left is us watching more and more one piece, but we'll do it if that's what we have to do. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we will be there for you thanks so much and we'll see you next time
1: later